Welcome everyone to the Atomic Cinema Experiment. I am Peter and joining me as always is Tara. Greetings citizens. And this is a science fiction movie podcast. Every week we get together, we've watched the movie, we talk about it. This is the second film in our 70s month. So we're going to dive right into the Andromeda Strain, which will start spoiler free. We'll give you a warning before we go into spoilers. This film came out in 1971 and is the story of a virus that comes down from space on a satellite and all of the procedures that a team of scientists have to put in place to study it and figure out why it killed a whole little town and should they have to prevent further spread. Very topical, of course, in the year of 2020. <laughs> Not that it came from a satellite or anything, but you know what I mean. Uh, Not the reason we're doing this. No, no, no. This was just, this was just on the list and seemed like a, a worthwhile movie to do. So uh, that's the gist of the of the film. <laughs> I shall ask Tara Z question. What did you... Actually, first question. Had you seen this before? No. Okay, in that case, regular question. What did you think of the Andromeda Strain? I um, am a bit conflicted on this one. Conflicted? Oh no. <laughs> I think the science is very good. I think the the sets are very cool. And... But there's a lot of animals being tortured that I had to witness. And as somebody who defends the rights of animals and their welfare, I do not enjoy watching that at all. <laughs> Very uncomfortable for more than one scene in this film. There's a, yeah, there's a couple of scenes. There's one in particular scene with a monkey that I felt a bit uncomfortable. I never even questioned it with the the the, the rats, rats or whatever. Yeah, but not because I, I don't care about rats per se, but just because it, there was something specific about the way the monkey was. I was like, that's not acting. He can't act. Like, they didn't get a monkey to pretend to, like, spasm. I, I mean, I looked up the <laughs> trivia, and there was a mention of what they did for the monkey. And we'll talk about it when we okay. get to the scene. Okay, okay. So the we'll monkey get... lives. Oh, good. Okay, so we'll get to that in spoilers. But I still don't enjoy watching animals be tortured, regardless if they're monkeys or rats or anything like that. And it's not an easy thing to watch or any, an easy thing to approve of. For a film, and uh, so yeah, that that part I definitely don't like. There's also just some general issues in the film overall. I mean, it's a Michael Crichton movie, and the the other Crichton movies we've done, with the exception of Jurassic Park and Sphere, both ten out of ten. Oh, whoa, 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 whoa! Hold on a second. Hold on a second. <laughs> but, you can't say Jurassic Park and Sphere in the same sentence. That's not allowed. Well, okay, so we did Terminal Man. Yes. And if you watch movies from the 70s that are Crichton-based, like uh, Terminal Man, maybe not Westworld, um, Coma, if you've ever seen Coma, uh, which is actually directed by him, and uh, and this film, the science is very realistic to the point where it's a bit boring. <laughs> it works great in his writing, because in, like if you read his books... It makes you feel like you're a scientist. Like, I get this. I'm into it. I feel like I'm solving the mystery with them. And I feel like a real doctor when I read this book. But in the movies, it's a bit it's a bit boring. It's a bit like that scene from Terminal Man. Ter that scene in Terminal Man does take the cake. That, that was mm -hmm. the most sort of 
we're going to bask in the awesomeness of science for 20 minutes, even though nothing of particular note is happening. Um, no, that's interesting. I I like the movie. I, I, I think it's perfect. There's definitely things to discuss. But I do think it has a better handle on the balance than Terminal Man did. I don't think there's anything in this movie that even comes close to that scene in Terminal Man, where it's just that for 15, 20 minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of stuff that reminded me of Sphere in this too again with the blasphemy I don't, I don't <laughs> it's a good movie underrated I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be bold here and say that this is a better movie than Sphere alright I'm just going to say that up front and get that you give Sphere like a 4 or something stupid I did it's not saying much for me admittedly but <laughs> I'm just I'm putting it in, in the, the wavelength for you to sort of see where I'm coming from Mm-hmm. Right. So, um, now I I like the sciencey stuff and this. Maybe it does go a little bit too intricate at times, but I kind of dig the this. Uh, this movie has a lot of good setup. There's a lot of good stuff where the the, the initial like, sort of finding of this town and all the steps that are taken, forming the team, the initial analysis, the introduce to the the base and the the lab and the, all the science fictiony kind of like technology which all feels super old and quaint by our standards now but they really present it in the movies if it's like hey look at this touch screen oh um, <laughs> cute and it's like a crt tv <laughs> with just green text and it's like you have to use like a magic special magic pen that'll a stylus register <laughs> um uh, this is not a stylus this this thing is like a chunky big it looks like a laser pointer yeah um so like that stuff is you know it's funny to watch that stuff because of times have changed and you, you get a kick out of it there's definitely some specifics we'll get into in spoilers but um no i enjoy that i, I will agree that once the, the the testing starts it probably could have been tightened up you know the movie's about two hours and ten minutes i think you could have probably because they, they get to the testing maybe just that over an hour into the movie i think you could have probably cut that hour down to about 40 minutes and just kept all the same stuff but tightened everything so that it wasn't quite as uh let's watch a computer screen for five minutes as the data is scrolling by and so on yeah it's i mean it's very intricate and like when when they go into the the bunker area and there's like different levels of it and each level takes like a while to get through because they have to do more and more testing and i mean i like the ideas there like i can imagine if i was if I was reading the book, I would be very into that. But as far as the movie goes, like it takes them a long time to get to the level they need to go to. I actually like that stuff for the most part. If I have a complaint about the five level system thing they introduce, is that beyond getting there to the, to the fifth one, there's not really that much they're used. Like they, they don't really become that relevant later in the movie. Like other than the fact that we know there's four levels above them, they're, they're the deepest level. But well, I mean, that, I guess the very ending it, it makes sense that. You know, there's a bit of a, a race to get to an, another level, but that's about it. Yeah, but it doesn't have to be specifically levels like this, though. That could have just been, oh, the facility's big, and, the, you know, <laughs> this, this area is where they need to get to. End of, you know, that yeah. could just be that. Like, it doesn't have to be any more complicated than that. One one thing I do really love about the film, um, especially after watching Fantastic Voyage, is that they made a female scientist part of the group who wasn't just there to be, you know, tits and ass. <laughs> in a form-fitting suit it was really nice to have a character that was 
I mean, she was definitely the best character. She like had all the best lines, like the best jokes. She had the best reactions. I I thought she was great. I I don't know if I agree with that. Mainly just because I found her. Uh... You miss Raquel Welch in a in a swimsuit? <laughs> no, 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 that's not what I'm saying. <laughs> uh, I found she constantly yells. And that part, there was a point in the movie where I started to find that a little bit annoying. Um, I didn't really notice that. She's constantly, like, she gets frustrated a lot and, like, yells out her answers to things. Um, well, she's a female doctor in a man's world. She probably has to, to be heard. <laughs> hey, the first time she yells is not to any person, it's to a computer. All right? Mm-hmm. With a female voice, might I add. She doesn't like computers. She, she's scared of technology. She's she's basically a leftover character from Westworld that somehow ended up in the, the Andromeda strain. She's scared of the <laughs> robots. Um, I thought she was great. And it was really refreshing to see because if it was any other director or whoever, I mean, if the producer has maybe had more say, they definitely would have gone with another Raquel Welch-like character. That would, I mean, she's very believable in this. No, 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 I, I will, I, I agree with the, like, we didn't go for the, the, the model, the, 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 the you know, the, yeah, the, the she wasn't there to, to lure in the, uh, the single scientist guy. No, no. <laughs> uh, so, no, I'll, I'll give her points for that. Um, there is, like, a random gratuitous bib shot, although early on in the film, which we'll get into in spoilers. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it doesn't completely escape that. Uh, was this where you would like to bring up what this director's also done? Oh, I haven't looked it up. Oh, I'll tell you then. This is directed by Robert Wise, who directed Star Trek, the motion picture. Oh. How fun. That's a good movie. <laughs> I actually Are you agree. a Side Story also? He did. Well, yeah, but I figured you'd only care about Star Trek. <laughs> well, yeah. Uh, Robert Wise, I mean, he's known for more than just Star Trek, but yes, Star Trek's at the top. Well, I, Joe, I recognize his name, and I was like, I don't actually know what he's done off the top of my head, but I definitely he's know He also that has a director's credit for Star Trek The Motion Picture Teaser. <laughs> I guess uh, directors used to make their own teaser trailers. It's very specific. It's interesting that Star Trek basically killed his career, barring one more movie ten years later, and then ten years after that, a TV movie. Well, I mean, once you get to the top, where else do you go? <laughs> Yes, the movie that many would claim almost killed the Star Trek franchise, even though I disagree with that. I don't that. know I li- why. <laughs> I, I, I love the motion picture. I like it more than a lot of the other Star Trek movies. Thank uh, you. So, yes. Ooh, we also uh, did The Body Snatcher, Curse of the Cat People. All right, okay, okay. We're falling into the, let's just read the list of IMDb trap, which you're notoriously complicit Ooh, The in. Haunting. See? That's a good movie. <laughs> Yes, would you like to discuss the direction? Um, it's fine. <laughs> such such uh, enthusiasm and passion and, dare I say, intricate insight into the, the direction <laughs> of Andromeda Strain. That's I mean, there's, fine. Some, there's some good moments of tension. I think the movie is pretty, pretty heady and uh, in the sciences, which I'm not normally someone who who complains about that kind of stuff but i watched this movie in like three parts and each time i had to hype myself up to watch it (laughs) (laughs) um i i thought the direction was fairly solid there's some nice touches especially early on when they're kind of in the town and they're in hazmat suits 
there's a lot of like really low angle shots looking up at them mm-hmm. so, so like, you're looking up at them and this is and you can just see the sky behind them and i thought it was a really interesting choice because the back half of the film takes place almost entirely in like laboratories that are underground so it's very confined so i thought that yeah. was a really good job of emphasizing the difference where early on you see nothing but open sky and open space there's a lot of interesting elements too in the direction where like like he does almost a, a like comic book panel scenes um where they'll do like flashbacks and then it'll be in a comic book panel or we're looking at different scientists going through the same experience at the same time and they'll have like a, a paneling <laughs> that's the only way i could think to describe yeah. it it tends to be only when so either when the scientists are working on various different like tests or early on it's when they're finding different like bodies and victims and like evidence of it so it seems to always be when the virus specifically is like the mm-hmm. topic of the scene i mean technically it's i mean the whole movie's about the virus but you know what i mean like when they're specifically yeah. looking at it in some way there's also just the general look of the movie when they're it'll have like that background and foreground but they'll both be focused and then like it's a little out of focus in the middle between them yeah yeah yeah. i'm trying to remember what you call that split focus maybe i can't remember but maybe so like both both background and foreground are in focus but you can tell there's some like work being done with the camera or post in post oh, to no, make that it, work it's not post it's, 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 it's i mean if split focus isn't the right term it's just it describes it well enough it's basically that that blurry line you're seeing down the middle is mm-hmm. basically where the focal length is shifting halfway through the frame so i, I actually don't like this effect because it, it, it's used in carry a lot which is a movie i really like but it uses this effect and i'm not a fan of it because when you look through a lens of a camera there's a very natural effect you expect to see most of the mm-hmm. time uh, unless you've got a really wide lens that's uh, fully open. But you have like your subject in frame, and then you have the background, which is out of focus. And then sometimes you might get fancy and go, you know what, I'm going to make the subject out of focus and make the background like in focus. And that sure. can be like an effect you go for or something, right? Uh, but the rules of, of this say that you have the... On the type of shots that you would get here, you'd have subject to focus, and then the background would be very out of focus because it's a close-up, right? It's a very tight shot. So this movie and some other films, and it's all—it's it's a lot of movies from the seventies. It, it was mm-hmm. around this time where it was used it, a lot. It looks dated. It does look dated, uh, but it's basically this way of like having half the frame have like one part in the background in focus. So, so in most cases, it'll usually be there's a character in the foreground, but then there'll be other characters in the background, and they want mm-hmm. them in focus at the same time. So, but it looks really unnatural. Like it feels really weird when you see it because it, it there's something about it just feels off the whole time. And maybe it's the sort of thing where if you got someone who'd never seen a movie before and you showed it to them, they wouldn't think anything of it. But if you're used to watching movies, it looks weird. <laughs> it does. It does look strange. Uh, it kind of reminds me of um, when we were reviewing the Sabrina series on the Netflix series, where just like random things in the background would be a bit blurry or off. Oh, yeah, that was annoying. Yeah. <laughs> but but anytime there's a person, they were always in focus, no matter where they were, or multiple people. It was, just, yeah. It's distracting. Yeah. It, what's so weird about it, though, is that, you know, I think of some of these these shots from this movie or Carrie, and I think about them instead of having this effect, just choose one or the other, right? Or mm-hmm. or, the, or you could do what's called a pull focus, and you'll you'll know what this is when I describe it, which is when you start and focus on the one in the background, and then you shift it, and then it'll switch to the focus on the one in the foreground, or vice versa, whatever way you want to go. Yeah. Uh, so, so either do that or have one out of focus the whole time, and that says something about the scene this weird i want all of them to be in focus at the, the whole time 
I don't know what it is, but something about it, and I'm not, obviously Robert Wise is a good director, I'm not <laughs> saying that he doesn't know what yeah. he's doing, but it, it, it always feels to me that it's like you couldn't make up your mind, so you're like relying on this trick instead. And I know that's a weird thing to say, but that's how it feels when I'm watching these shots. <laughs> it's, um, I mean, that mixed with like the paneling kind of just makes it seem like he's just taking some artistic license here to make things look... I don't know, more poppy and interesting. I didn't mind the, the paneling so much. I, I thought that, because they established that early on, even the uh, the captions have like a black bar across the screen to sort of... Oh, I hated the, the opening credits. <laughs> <laughs> Just going to throw that out there. The sound that they were using, and it was it was awful. <laughs> I wonder I wonder if uh, the, the black bar behind the text, even though it wasn't covering the text, I wonder if that was meant to sort of like evoke the image of like a, a redacted file like mm, where you classified. get the, yeah because they do talk about how all this is classified in the movie so i wonder if that was kind of the idea is that to emulate that without doing the exact thing um mm-hmm. it's possible but um i i mean i mean the only credits like whatever but like the, the actual <laughs> style of the the paneling and the the captions i didn't mind so much it i mean the the, the captions having the black bargain all the way across the screen did feel a little bit like old school where i'm like i don't think i'd ever see a movie do that now mm-hmm. um the movie does look good. I I think they put a lot of thought into the sets to make sure the lab looked kind of interesting visually because it could have very easily devolved into what a lot of low-budget movies are set in quote-unquote laboratories uh, where yeah. it's just a bunch of really plain-looking rooms. No, I mean, it looks like a really sterile military base. Yeah, plus all, all the halls are uh, curved, future. so it almost was like a spaceship at times in the hallways. Yeah. So you've got that kind of effect. Uh you know. I do. I like the. I like the design of it. I like how. I like its um, function, <laughs> the way it's designed. Um, I think it's cool, especially when they get to the to like the bottom level and you see how they're able to like use suits to operate and stuff. I like. I like all that. I think that's really well thought out. Actually, really cool. Going back to my complaint that it doesn't really feel like the levels are that important. Is that they actually make a point of saying that they're, they're color coded, right? So. When they're mm-hmm. in the first level, all the walls are red, and it's got this really stark look to it. And then when you get to the, the fifth level, it's all sort of beige. And I was like, you know what? We spent so little time, actually, in the hallways of the other three levels. I actually don't think I saw them. I don't remember seeing the green walls. Because we know there... I think there's a... There's a was like there a, a green one? Well, no, you don't see it, but there's a map early on that's color-coded, so you know there is yeah. a green floor. We just, it was we, like I, red, and then blue. They went to a yellow room, silver, and then wherever they landed was like... Yeah, I guess neutral beige. Yeah, colorless. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. So, which I th- I thought was weird. Do you think you would end on red because it's the most dangerous one? It's danger, <laughs> danger. You know, high voltage. <laughs> I mean, unless you're a virus, then when you're at the very top, it's the most dangerous. True. Yes, it's just the closest to getting out. I suppose. Yes. Uh, but we'll get to like more details and spoilers. Um. Yeah. I mean, I think I liked it more than you did. So. Yeah, I honestly like the animal stuff. Like, really turns me off of the movie. Like, even even the stuff I really like about it, I just I hated watching those scenes so much. That's fair. I mean, I, I can't really argue with that. Like, it's just, it's a proper reason. It, it it didn't completely turn me off. It's kind of one of those things where I I don't like obviously animal cruelty and things. And there's definitely lines that are crossed that if I know about them will ruin something for me. Uh, there's mm-hmm. a reason why I've still never seen Cannibal Holocaust <laughs> after all these years, no, despite, despite the fact that I'm a huge horror nut. There's a reason why I've still not watched that movie. 
Um, I think like stuff like this, I kind of like chuck it up to like of its time, and I can kind of just separate it in my mind that way. Um, I think well, actually, this doesn't bother me so much because I mean I don't care what they do to humans. We're humans, but one of the funny things that I do think about sometimes is that when because there's a baby in this movie, right? And mm-hmm. the baby's crying a lot, and all I can think is like, you know, the baby can act. Like they have to make it cry. <laughs> I mean, it's a baby. All you have to do is take it away from its mother. <laughs> like, like all, all I can imagine is that like, maybe the baby's been annoyingly quiet. The one time a baby's quiet, we don't want it to be, is when they're supposed to be crying in like a movie scene. And all I can imagine is like some ad just going up with a stick and just going, eh, eh, prod you, cry, cry a little shit, go on, cry, and then just walking away. I'm sure they had a lot more empathy for the baby than they did the rats. Did they have someone on set as the baby slapper? They just go up and smack the baby. I'm me. sure the mother was on set. <laughs> oh, so she'll slap herself. You're right. You're right. She'll, I'm she'll say- take slap. I'm saying that all you have to do to make a baby cry is take it away from its mom. <laughs> In my experience. <laughs> okay. All right. I just love the idea of. I mean, I didn't browse the credits. Oh, but you love the idea. No, no, I don't know what I mean. I, I love the idea that in the credits there's just someone called the baby slapper and then like, <laughs> like. No, I did see it in the credits when it said like, um, like special thanks to Humane Society or something. I kind of went, uh-oh, we're going to get some animal stuff. <laughs> Isn't that good though? Does it mean there was protocols that were followed? Um, yeah, but they're not the same. Okay. <laughs> clearly fair fair you cannot make that monkey scene today you'd have to do cgi yeah oh yeah it doesn't bother me at all if it's cg if i if i if i look at it and it's like you know no i mean why real. would it yeah <laughs> well i have to say it can get re- re- very realistic though you know when you watch the plot of the apes movies now it's like oh these look lifelike <laughs> yeah i mean like i just watched tom cruise jump off of the side of a mountain like you could say well he's putting his life at risk but Tom Cruise is able to consent to something like that, you know, but like a dog and a dog's purpose or whatever that movie was, were like it almost drowned because of a scene they needed to do by putting their dog in a river. Like that's uh, not okay. Use a CGI dog or don't film that scene <laughs> right around it. <laughs> I have nothing like I don't have anything witty to say this conversation, so I'm not going to. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so I think we could probably get the spoilers then. So I will take this time though to thank our Patreon producers uh, at the time of recording. So thank you very much to Tyler Hess, Cindy Palisades, David Sharp, Born Now, Al Tribesman, Christopher Moy, Brett Williams, and David Brown. They are our Patreon producers right now. That means they are twenty dollars or more over at patreon.com slash TV, but you can of course support us for much less than that for example you can support us for free with hitting the like button ooh yeah spicing things up yes but you can support us financially for much less than $20 can't Natara that's right if you enjoy our reviews and enjoy the show please check out our Patreon page it's patreon.com slash TV. and if you donate as low as $1 per month you will get access to bonus episodes of the Ace and you will find gems like uh, the Philadelphia Experiment 2, um, Free Jack, uh, Future Force. Is that the one with the glove? David Carradine? Yep. That one was kind of fun. Yeah. So okay. check out your favorite B-movie science fiction flicks over yes. on our Patreon that, page. 
I'm not going to lie, though. There's a couple of stinkers in there. Trancers <laughs> 5 was not a good discussion because that movie gave us nothing to work with. No. Uh, Santa Look Claus... forward to uh, Trancers 6, though. Uh, Santa Claus Conquers the Martians, similar. Uh, Robo Vampire. So there's, there's probably like three or four this really bad one. ones. Yeah. But there's some gold in there, too. Uh, for example, Rotor to sell it. Was, a, was a delight. Hey, I'm yeah, being Rotor honest. Yeah, really good. Hey. If if I if I admit to what the bad ones are, they know I'm being serious when I say, "Hey, this one's good." That's true. <laughs> right. And there's also, if you enjoy horror movies, there's Screams After Midnight. They've got a bunch of good ones too. Yes, 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 yes. Uh, we did Cursed just like last month, and that was <laughs> fun. Hell of a conversation. Uh, and The Wicker Man with Nicolas Cage the month before that. So hey, lots of lots of things to check out uh, on there for just one dollar per month on Patreon.com/slash/MailFuzzTV. So, without further ado, <laughs> full spoilers for the Andromeda strain from this point on. Uh, so the movie opens with uh, like a couple of soldiers sort of sp- like looking at this town, and clearly that they're, they're here because they know the satellite's fallen, right? Uh, oh, what did they call the satellite? I can't remember. Uh, scoop? Oh, I guess it was Scoop. Anyway, uh, sure. so basically, when they do like a flyby, they see nothing but dead bodies in this small town in the desert. And they freak out. And we get this kind of assembly of team and they kind of like sort of show how top secret this is where they just show up to like uh, Jeremy, who's the guy who sort of runs the team. And his wife's just kind of like, oh, wait, there's, there's soldiers here for you, honey. What's going on? And, as soon, as, and as soon as they say like a, a, a key phrase, he just turns to her and goes, I have to go. And she's like, well, when will you be back? Wildfire. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. This is serious. And she actually tries to, like, call someone she knows, uh, like, not the White House, but it was someone high up in, like, some military organization. And the phone just cuts out after, like, 10 seconds and goes, this call has been monitored. Thank you for your patience, Mrs. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah. <laughs> and she's like, so frustrated. Not just monitored, but, like, we're yeah. listening to you specifically, Mrs. Blank Blank. Yeah. Joe, Joe is so funny about this is that there's weird parts of the technology that have kind of predicted the future, but then there's other things that are so extremely just like, no. <laughs> no. Yeah. Um, and that, this is one of them. Obviously, yes, monitoring the call, yes, but the fact that someone would just interrupt and go, we're listening to you. Shut up. <laughs> it's confidential. Yes. <laughs> Big brother. Yeah. So we get, so that's Jeremy's the leader. Uh, we have uh mark hall who is the doctor the single man and that's actually very important the odd man uh like protocol as they call it which we'll get to is important uh we have the old man which is not they don't call him that i'm just calling him that <laughs> which is uh, done and the, then we have the very um burgess meredith like don't you think he looked like him I wasn't getting, you know, I wasn't getting Rogers Meredith, but I was getting someone from him. Well, we have seen him. He was, he was in the Twilight Zone. Maybe that's what I was getting. I was just getting. Yeah, him. he's the uh, <laughs> the suicide guy in the first season, the one who keeps ah. trying to commit suicide. Escape clause. Interesting, interesting. Uh, I actually, it's funny. The, the doctor, uh, you know, the odd man. It was bugging me what I knew him from, right? And I, to, admittedly, I'd seen this movie a long time ago, but I'd forgotten most of it. But I, I feel like I recognize him from something. And do you know what it is? What? He's the colonel in Commando. Yes. Yeah, I did look him up. Yeah. 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 That, uh, <laughs> that, that, that got I, me I know him from... Um, he was in a, an episode of Mystery Science Theater. Well, an episode. He was in a movie that Mystery Science Theater did an episode on called Moon Zero Two also. Oh. Yes. 
I've seen that episode. Remember that thing that we used to watch and review on the show sometimes? <laughs> Why are you reminding them that we stopped doing something? Why would you do that? <laughs> Never admit our failures. Except Sorry. five minutes ago when I said that we should do that when we talk about Patreon episodes. <laughs> Ignore my hypocrisy and just go with it. Same as every day. Got it. <laughs> uh, we have Ruth Leavitt, who's obviously the, 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 the female scientist. Uh, also, I love the name Leavitt because I just imagined how many puns you could do. Ruth Leavitt. Whatever you're mad at. Like, it's like, you tell it to shut up. Like, Ruth, leave it. Leave it. Yeah. Leave it alone. Stupid. Or genius. So, that is our team. Uh, but before they all arrive together, uh, you know, Oddman, Mark, and Jeremy, they, they get some hazmat suits on, uh, and they go into the town to investigate, right? And they find all these dead bodies. They find very little... And they find some weird things, like they cut some of them open, uh, just on site, and there's no wet blood. It's all completely it's dry. All like sand. Yeah, it's complete powder. And like I say, there's a lot of these shots looking up at them, and there's just the sky, you know, behind them. It's... It's all very well done. I, you know, it's very eerie town, and it's kind of because they start seeing evidence of like, like more than just them dropping dead, right? Because I'm watching this, and obviously I'm thinking of a, I won't spoil it too much, but I'm thinking of a certain scene in Serenity, uh, the movie that concluded Firefly from Josh Whedon, the creator of the hit television show Buffy the Vampire Slayer, just to get the whole thing in, right? But they're, they're, everyone's lying around, but then they start seeing evidence that some of them, like, you know, someone's got their head in the bathtub, they've drowned themselves, there's a woman hanging from a noose, and it's like, yeah. wait a minute, what the hell's going on here? And Yeah, they had time to kill themselves. Yeah, that's like... Where idea. other people look like they just died instantly, like they died while shopping. Yeah, but some of them clearly saw what was happening, because uh, as, as we find out as the movie goes on, that one of the symptoms here was that some of them were generally going crazy before they died, and... For some of them, that maybe meant seeing what was happening around everyone else, and it drove them to suicide. So it really paints this dark picture of just how awful this was. It wasn't just dropping mm-hmm. dead from like a like a, an unknown threat. It was like mass hysteria. Well, it's as mass as you can get in a town that has a population of six to eight people. Yeah, <laughs> very small town. Uh, they must love visitors. Oh yeah, I'll, I'll bet. <laughs> I mean. I don't think it was actually in the south, but I can just hear the, uh, you know, the banjo playing from Deliverance and they don't take too kindly <laughs> no, to strangers like, around uh, here. like New Mexico or Arizona or something. Yeah, because well, the, the lab is in Nevada. Uh, oh, yeah. Which is in the middle of the desert. It's like the furthest point away from it, all the stuff, like, you know, <laughs> around them, like civilizations. Yeah, yeah. Um, it definitely looks like that too. Um, But they do find some survivors. They find a man who is still you know, breathing technically, mm-hmm. and a baby that's crying. And it's like, wait, why did these two survive? So that sets up like one of our mysteries and kind of the problem to solve. Like, what made these two immune or, or at the very least not as susceptible to whatever this was? And yeah, so we get a team. Uh, and we get introduced to the lab through Ruth's perspective where she's brought in, and there's a really interesting detail here that does come up later, but it felt really random in the way in where she sees like a blinking red light and says, oh, I hate blink- blinking red lights. And I'm like, that's a weird character detail. And it's not until later they actually met, <laughs> mention right, she's got yeah. epilepsy. And I'm like, oh, that's why she doesn't like blinking lights. <laughs> it's like it's a weird character tick. What do you mean you like red, blinking red? That's really specific. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, maybe she doesn't like stop signs or who knows. 
this was the 70s like like i mean not i wouldn't say low budget this movie doesn't feel like it's a low budget movie for the time period but it, this was the 70s version you know that scene in the dark knight where alfred and bruce go into like some building and he pulls a lever and the entire floor drops to go down to a secret you know not a bat cave but like what he's got is like a like a secret hideaway until he gets his bat cave in the third one all right <laughs> that's what this is because they go into this like closet basically and he just like flips a switch yeah. and the floor starts dropping and she's like oh this is gonna... it's also very um disneyland uh haunted mansion ride oh sure you go into this room and then like the it looks like the room is stretching <laughs> but really you're just going down a level it's cool. i like what i like about this <laughs> is he doesn't he doesn't warn her that they're about to start moving so there's a little bit when it starts moving she sort of loses her balance she's like oh and I thought to myself, you know, every time I've seen this scene, you know, whether it's Dark Knight or, I, I, you know, I've seen it in other it, things, I think Hellboy had a... on purpose, yeah. They, they always either, yeah, either they make a joke out of it or the person will say, hey, you know, keep your hands in or something. Or they'll say something to warn the person. But whereas this was just like, this was almost like what taught all these writers to put that line in in all mm-hmm. these future movies, is they watched the Andromeda Strain growing up and they saw this poor middle-aged woman almost fall... <laughs> And break her neck, and they thought, you know what, we're going to be safe in our movie. Why would they say something? <laughs> because she may fall and break her neck. Ah, oh, that would be fun to see. <laughs> uh, your favorite character, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding, of course. Don't worry, you get to see her fall and have a, a seizure later. It's fine. Uh, you're gonna get all your, all your, all your. Uh, weird desires fulfilled i don't know what i'm trying to say anyway um, <laughs> so we get a lot of exposition explaining the rules and we get Chekhov's self-destruct mechanism <laughs> there's a lot to go into here and i liked a lot of this what was so funny to me is that when they're going down in the elevator it cuts to like a. and i, I hate this reminding me of this but there's actually a lot of this in here it makes me think that the movie ripped off a bit of this is the original resident evil movie of all things has like because in the games underground labs are kind of a big thing and the movie mm-hmm. has that in the first one and in the movie it, co- it constantly does this thing where when they're they're moving in elevators or sometimes even when they're just going down like corridors and stuff it'll like go out to like a sort of like cg map of the of the the base and it'll show mm-hmm. you how where they're moving right yeah, so a little what, flashing red dot or something That's um well more more than that this is more like a like imagine it like turn into like a wireframe of the, the entire thing so it's very it's more detailed than it should be right so i laughed kind of out loud here when they're going down the elevator and it just goes to like a sort of black screen with white lines representing the floors and it's just mm-hmm. like a dot going down and i'm like this is like yeah. so ancient looking <laughs> but, but i laugh because when they actually go into the meeting room and he explains all the, the lab the thing that comes on the screen to show them actually is more of like a 3D model. Yeah, and I'm like, it really is. Like, why didn't you show that in the other graphic? Why did we get <laughs> white lines on a black screen? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I definitely noticed it also. <laughs> really? So if you ever get lost anywhere on the base, just uh, go up to the nearest TV screen and the computer will show you uh, a virtual map <laughs> of the base. It's a virtual CD-ROM. <laughs> oh, man. That CD-ROM is stuff in Jurassic Park. I, I, I <laughs> chuckle every time I get to it. She's so impressed. Yes. <laughs> Lexi's so excited by the CD-ROM. Well, she's a hacker. Makes sense. Yes. 
And it's so funny. We've come so far. I, I, I've got a PS5 coming next month that doesn't even have a disk drive. We've moved on. How dare you take this time to <gasps> brag? I'm not bragging about <laughs> your ability to to get your greedy little paws on a PlayStation <laughs> Five pre-order. I tried so hard. It was so confusing. They, they keep having they have more shipments, so I'll, we'll keep the eye out for you. Okay. I might get an Xbox anyway. Okay. They got Bethesda. What am I supposed to do? Yeah, but none of the games are going to not, be ready for like three years. <laughs> not play Doom. Not play Elder Scrolls Six. Yeah, right. Okay, how how <laughs> soon how soon do you think Elder Scrolls Six is? Realistically, uh, three years. No, try try more like seven. <laughs> yeah, right. No, they're doing Starfield first. They're they're making another game. Well, I mean, Same who team. knows? These games are going faster than I thought. Like next year, we're getting God of War again. That's that that's, is an ex- that's fast. That is an exception, to, and plus, it's probably going to get delayed. But oh yeah, they're all going to get delayed. <laughs> yeah, but that is an exception to the rule. I'll be surprised if Spider Man doesn't get delayed. How dare you? That's launch day. How dare you? I'll be playing that next month. Do, do, you we'll take see. that back. <laughs> you take that back right now. Anyway, anyway, we're getting off tangent, or we're getting on tangent. We're getting off topic and on tangent. Let's get off tangent back and on off topic. Off tangent, on topic. Yes. 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 Stupid delay. <laughs> There's no delay. <laughs> so... I mean, delay in Skype. Oh, right, okay. <laughs> we said that at the same time, but it's going to sound like I'm repeating you. <laughs> I, said, I said no delay. They're like some idiot shouting out no collusion. <laughs> some idiot. <coughs> oh, boy. Oh, sorry. Okay. <laughs> I'm laughing at my own accidental joke. Okay. Uh... <laughs> All right, so we have to talk about this, the the self destruct mechanism because it's very important. It's kind of where all the drama is going to come in the last part of the movie, because there's two keys, but the first key is almost irrelevant because the first key just goes straight in and never comes out. <laughs> but mm-hmm. it's basically it arms the self destruct. The idea being, if there's any kind of leak of the virus in this base, it will automatically go to self destruct. There'll be five minutes until it goes up. In a nuclear explosion. And the odd man, the odd man, Mr. Mark Hall, he is given the key that will deactivate it. He has to get to a substation, which are planted throughout the building, uh, and he has to put the key in to cancel the destruction. And why is it him, you ask? Well, this is really explaining the odd man protocol. The idea being that he will make a sensible choice because he does not have a wife or a family to sort of like cloud his judgment. And he will make the right choice because of that. Which I think's actually an interesting. Well, it's a little dated. I don't necessarily hate it as an idea, though, if they actually did something with it at the end, but it never actually factors into this decision. Because by the time we get to the end of the movie and this thing is going to go off, they already know what the rules of the virus are. They know what's dangerous and what's not. There's actually, there's like no, there's no question if they should stop it or not. Of course they have to stop it. He has to stop it. In fact, not only did they have to stop it, or there's no question, it will actively make it worse if they don't stop it. <laughs> so You're right. Plus, like, the whole idea of a man who's young and single and has a lot to live for would be willing to die for <laughs> versus um, a married man. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if I'd buy it. It's an old-fashioned way of thinking, I guess. Um... Maybe, <laughs> I mean, if they'd argued that he gets this key because he's a doctor and he's the one who in- who inherently cares about people 
and therefore he will make the choice because he's taken an oath to protect other lives or something like that. That would sound right. a bit better. But there's rules like he can't use it in certain certain areas it won't work. Is it the areas where the virus has already been exposed or is it just like no, no, they have uh, decoy ones? No, it's not that. It was it was actually much simpler than that and you'll laugh. And this sounds so realistic actually. <laughs> is that they decided there wasn't enough substations so they started building more but they're not finished yet. They're not oh, decoys. That's right. They're just not done yet. <laughs> I, I couldn't remember. I they're watched that part in the first go. <laughs> they're just under construction. That's all. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> so, uh, so we get this wonderful montage as they go down through the levels and all the testing. Some of which makes some sense. They're getting asked questions about allergies and whatnot. Some of it's like injections. Uh, my favorite though, and this is the weirdest visual in the whole movie, is they've got like a chamber. And th what this does is not the weird part, right? The chamber basically burns off the excess dead skin that's on their skin to sort of like cleanse them completely of anything that's mm -hmm. excess. And then they have to go and shower off all the... It looks like they've got ash on their body because it's like just all this dead... It's essentially like a layer of dust all over their body, right? And that's not the weird part, though. The weird part of this is that the room that they go into for this is a room that's all sort of crystals and mirrors. And then they're butt-ass naked. Yeah. And... He's told to put on, because this can't hit your face. This light they're about to hit him with, this, this burning radiation or whatever it is, can't hit his face. So he has to put on this protective headgear. You're like, okay, that makes sense. The headgear they give him is this crystally, like, glass gimp mask. So I was thinking very Daft Punk. Yeah, oh yeah, that's a good comparison. It's very Daft Punk. So he's standing in this crystal room with this crystal, like, completely, like, featureless helmet. It's just like a, you know, just mm -hmm. the crystal. And he's told to put his arms out. So he's just standing there like this with this mask on. And it's just like this weird, I'm like, what is this visual? What am I looking at right now? He looks like a zombie in a rave. Like yeah. There's another one that the doctor, uh, the, the lady Dr. Ruth, she, I don't like saying Dr. Ruth because that implies a different person, but <laughs> Dr. Ruth is like a famous, never mind. Um, but, <laughs> but. Um, famous never mind, got it she uh she describes like some kind of a mud bath that she has to take or like i don't know exactly what it was but it sounded really painful and awful and gross <laughs> but we didn't get to see that part yeah we don't see maybe it. if she was played by you know raquel welch we would have seen what's, it <laughs> what's so funny though about it is that they keep showing what's happening to the men and i just i laughed every time it cut between them because the men are all shot from like the waist up because yeah. you can do that but then every time it cuts the heart, it's like just from like the shoulders up. And I'm like, yeah. this is just really funny and uneven. And I get why, obviously, but it's just kind of funny. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's, kind of, it's, it's kind of that thing how in movies... We, we get some man butt, like... Oh, we do. Old man butt, too. It's, it's, it's like that it. thing in movies where somehow the bed sheet is always perfectly, like, you know, uneven. So that on the yeah. woman's side, it's up to the chest. But on the man's side, it looks up to the waist. I mean, they're bed sheets. You can make them however you want. I mean, you can, but it's just, it's just weird, all right? It's just weird. <laughs> it's weird that the privacy of a couple who have clearly just had sex that she's so concerned about covering up her bosom. <laughs> Logic does not make sense here. <laughs> uh, Gotta keep him excited for the next time. <laughs> Immediately back into mystique mode. <laughs> yep. Mystery. Mystery. <laughs> you will not remember these boobs. That was a Jedi mind trick joke. I want points for making a Star Wars joke. I don't do it lately. I mean, you won't get them from me, but maybe the people watching or listening will. All right. Well, I'll wait for my points. 
So <laughs> they get down to the bomb and they're they, they do it. And this is where they kind of they split up. They, I mean, they explain at one point. I think they're on level four when they explain like all of their eating is going to be through pills. They'll be like pills and liquid because that'll have all the the necessary because they can't have food down there because it'll you know it, it can spread things. Uh, you know, there was a lot of mumbo. Yeah. Jumbo, there was a lot of science mumbo like, jumbo. Uh... Well, I think it's also because they have to kill, like, the organisms that are, or the bacteria that's inside their body also. Like, their mm. gut microbiome is going to get messed with, so they can't have certain types of food anymore since they can't digest it properly. Because they have to take a suppository. <laughs> that was the last thing. Yes. That was the last thing they had to do to kill I'm... the microbiome inside their, their gut. Yes, I am glad they didn't feel the need to show us that scene in detail. No. But I'm glad some... Dr. Ruth was very upset about it. <laughs> After everything else you maybe do, I have to shove this thing up there. <laughs> um, the, the only the, the weird one is that there's like a sort of like a like it's a clockwork. Say that with Dr. Ruth because Dr. Ruth definitely would have been into that. <laughs> a reference I did not get, ladies and gentlemen. I have no idea what she's talking about. Um, there is one kind of like clockwork orangey moment where they're watching like a computer that's just like flashing like colors at them. I don't, I'm not even mm-hmm. sure what's going on. It's like, here, watch the screensaver for five minutes. I don't know what it's achieving, but it's doing something. Uh, so there you go. This is the weird thing with the, a movie like this is that they talk so much about the science, and especially once they get down to the testing, they split up and like you know one of them is like sort of obviously the doctors dealing with the two survivors and try to figure out how they survive. A couple of them are working on like try to actually analyze the what it looks like and how it functions and then the other guys like doing testing with the animals and seeing how it spreads from you know living thing to living thing all you know valid parts of the the chain i mean obviously we cannot like it in terms of watching a movie and what they actually have to do to get the animals to do that but in a real world scenario yes they'd be using animals to do this kind of thing because and we'd accept it because we don't all all want to die (laughs) basically um sure um but uh you know there's a lot of most animal testing is bullshit most most absolutely is yes (laughs) yes we'll we'll move on (laughs) so but there's a lot of tech talk there's a lot of tech talk about the science there's a lot of this stuff and when i'm watching movies like this because i you know i don't know about any of these subjects that much so I have this weird thing where I'm like, okay, this sounds all very, like, detailed. It sounds, like, well thought out. But at the same time, every so often, I'm just sort of going, okay, this all sounds good. But I get the feeling that a lot of this is probably bullshit, too. There's probably mm-hmm. a lot of weird bullshit cut corners. And I know Michael Crichton's known for, like, being very thorough. But at the same time, there's definitely, like, I don't well, know. he's also known for science fiction, so. He's, yes, he is. He's also known for bringing <laughs> dinosaurs back to life, which obviously isn't. <laughs> based in yeah. fact i think but... well he used to he was on track to be a doctor i think he made it all the way like to close to the end where he was actually like shadowing doctors and stuff for a while but I, he never finished medical school so he, i mean he knows a lot about this hmm yeah so i mean i don't think i necessarily there's no point in me trying to go through this next stuff in order because it's impossible to remember what happens first and like the order of things let's just let's just talk about the different things we learn so we find out that this this virus, whatever it is, which they assume is from space, and they kind of conclude that it is because it has properties that are, it's made up of things from Earth. You know, it's oxygen, nitrogen, whatever. But it's kind of living despite the fact that it's missing acids and things like that, and it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. And 
it's, it is living when they zoom in and look at yeah, it up there's close. no like protein molecules or amino acids mm. like you said it's like nothing pulse- that that's like the building blocks of what we have here yeah it's like life. pulsing and it's changing color and they're they're looking at eventually it looks you know it looks like a crystal and that kind of solves some of the issues um but the real mystery i think that works really well for more us more as the audience is probably how did these two people survive mm-hmm. because even though it's still a little bit sciencey because obviously the doctor's talking about okay well their blood maybe the blood maybe the medicine they take maybe something he's drinking because he's a drunk <laughs> or something like yeah. something you know he's got an <laughs> ulcer did that save him like what what you know what, what you know has the what does the baby and the, the old drunk have in common right what, what, yeah. what connects them that makes them both survivors mm-hmm. And right. even though there is some, obviously, some science talk in there, I think that stuff was really easy to digest compared to the other stuff because it's like, okay, we're looking for common commonality. Even if I don't understand why, ultimately, like, the the extreme ends of the pH scale are what saved them. Like, the idea that if, they're re- if you're really acidic or really alkaline, it'll save you. But if you're, you know, in the middle, which most people are... If you're healthy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, you know, it's, it's interesting. Um, and it's kind of it's got that... Uh, I wouldn't quite call it the War of the Worlds thing because it's not so much that our environment's hostile towards it, but it's got that War of the Worlds thing where it kind of just fixes itself, where it mutates into not being dangerous anymore by the mm-hmm. end. Um, but it's got it's got a little bit of a blob scene too, where they're like they've extracted it from this little speck of dust that hmm. they found on the on the satellite that crashed, and uh, it's this like green gooey stuff that keeps multiplying and getting bigger and bigger and bigger I'm like oh a little bit of a blob origin story that, that satellite by the way just once you mentioned it is a lot smaller than i was expecting mm-hmm. it looks like a satellite dish that you'd find on someone's house like the size of it uh yeah i'm not really sure what kind of a satellite it was or yeah i don't know just you, you tell me satellite from space i expect i don't know bigger i guess <laughs> <The Hubble. laughs> <laughs> i expect a lot more meaty but you know that's what it is um so, but one of the things that's sort of running throughout the film, though, is that they, they kept recommending to the president to uh, bomb the town, right? So it can't spread. And there's an incident, like, halfway, well, it's probably like two-thirds of the movie, where a pilot flies over the airspace and dies and crashes the plane. And we see kind of what looks like his mask deteriorating. Um, much like and, the blood. Yeah, much like the blood, yeah. Because uh, it's... Just the, the the specific substance, the specific type of plastic that just reacts this way to the the to the virus, um, which makes it more than a virus. Really, I should I should stop saying virus. It's technically not accurate in terms of what it is. I don't know what you would call it. I guess they they mentioned it was bigger than a virus during all the testing. Yeah, but smaller than a bacteria. But is this question? So they eventually convinced them because they find out about this kind of late because the communication system kind of breaks down, and they're like having these video calls, which again. Th- you know futuristic for the time whether what they're, they're talking to these other guys and they convince this guy who's dead set against it to to like convince the president to, to 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 nuke the town and then of course they discover something where the energy and the energy from a nuclear blast specifically will make that give this thing energy it feeds off any type of energy so a nuclear blast will basically turn it into a super virus and make it yeah. spread it'll and... constantly mutate to where you can't stop it so they then have to call them back and be like, okay, we did it. We've convinced the president to new the town. No, no, change his mind. Change his mind. <laughs> You're going to kill us all. <laughs> change his mind. Um, I liked all this stuff. I I like all this stuff where they're just kind of like down the down in the, the, the dark, sort of digging into all this stuff. And I, I always love like a, 
bottle movie where the implications of what they're doing affects the entire world, but they're kind of like just like you no, know, just contained in this small space, mm-hmm. and it makes everything feel really big whilst being very small at the same time. And I think the movie achieves that well enough. It's not perfect, I, you know. I, I I would agree with some of the the critiques that you've you've mentioned, but um, mm-hmm. we haven't got to the exciting you know conclusion yet uh, when the stuff goes <laughs> wrong. But uh, I don't know. Uh, but definitely a lot of this testing though because I mean, we've glossed over it because it does go on for a while and there's a lot of like separate elements to it where you got the testing of the animals then you have the testing of the you know it's, they don't use the word but they're basically doing the enhance enhance right <laughs> enhance uh, although, do we want to talk, the, talk about the animals we can talk about the animals I just want to say though at least here though this was not a video recording that we're, enhan- that we're zooming in on this was a microscope that which was actively zooming in on a live thing this, this, so this wasn't bullshit is what I'm trying to say. This scientifically right. made sense and wasn't nonsense. Uh, <laughs> right. So, uh, yeah, we can talk about the if you want. Uh. Well, I mean, I, I know that you mentioned something to me when you were watching it. And when I watched it too, it was just, once you get to the scene with the monkey in it, it's like, what the hell did I just watch? Yeah, I mean it, that, that that one's rough because the the monkey starts kind of like holding out of the cage and like sort of spasming and then eventually kills over. And all I yeah. could think was like, okay, how exactly did they make the monkey do? Because it's a real monkey. This, there's no effect mm-hmm. here. So I was like, how did they make the monkey do that? Because uh, and yeah, I, you know, so I, they actually um, I read about it because I had to know, and uh, they had obviously a monkey in the cage, and then once they opened up the panel on it so that it could be exposed to the air. They pumped CO2 into the air, so they just suffocated the monkey to where it like started to convulse. And then as soon as it laid down, they had somebody on the side with like a mask to to revive the monkey. But and you can actually apparently you could see him like in the shot because he went in like even before they yelled cut to to revive the monkey. Which is noble but, because these they're in a, it's in a room where no one's supposed to be because it's like a quarantined like room, right? Right. So they had somebody in the room, you know, ready to revive the monkey once it goes, once it starts to die. But it's uh, it's still like you watch an animal be tortured to death, basically, yeah, <laughs> and then get revived. <laughs> it's it's super. It's really horrible to watch. It's super inhumane it, for sure. I, yeah. Because it, it, I, wa- I watched that and went, well, there's no way to fake that. Whatever they did to that monkey, yeah. they did something to it. and it, it's Yeah, and it's not a quick scene. Like, <laughs> you're, you're really there with them while it's dying. And I didn't read anything about the rats. So I don't know if the rats just died. I think the truth of the matter is, is that at least at the time, I assume that no one cared as much about rats as they did about monkey, mm-hmm. would be my guess. So, so you also, But you also watch rats get tortured and maybe die i don't know for sure yeah um yeah it should have, i mean this is the thing obviously they don't want to use stupid stuffed rats or something like that to like do the scenes i, I think it's mm-hmm. sort of thing where you maybe just don't show it because there's so much in this movie that's not shown anyway because it's so much of them just in a because like ultimately it's a people in a room talking about what they're they're seeing on a screen and there's so much stuff in this movie of people watching like data on a computer screen just sort of flash in front of Right, because that's actually something that sets up with uh, with Ruth is that at one point she starts to zone out because she's just watching like lights flash in front of her, uh, and this sort of builds up to her her seizure. But 
Um, yeah. Do you know this movie's rated G? I did, because I made a joke when I noticed it was rated G. I sent, I sent you a message saying that after being, or after Escape from Planet of the Apes, I'm terrified of what's going to be in the G-rated movie. Oh, that's right. We got boobs and animals being tortured. Yeah, that's a good point. We did get boobs. There was, there was, yeah, there was, a, there was a corpse at the start of the town when they were looking through it that was topless. So yeah. there was boobs and animal torture in this and G-rated butt. movie. <laughs> And man butt and almost male nudity, like from the front. I mean, man butt. Pretty low shots. Man butt out of those three, though, is the, like, the least egregious, I think. I mean, I, yeah, who cares? It's man butt. <laughs> but, like... <laughs> I admit today that's probably PG worthy, but still, like, it's not, like, uh, fine, put that in the G, no one cares. But there's definitely boobs, yeah. Yeah, that's, uh. And plus the whole animal torture thing. But... All right. Kids were stronger back then. <laughs> I don't think that's true. I think people were just a little bit more lenient on what G ratings meant. Well, they didn't the have 70s. they didn't have PG thirteen, so it was either is it a G or an R, and they went, <laughs> "We'll go with G on this one." Kids will love this movie. <laughs> I think I think I think they're just hoping that kids will be too bored with something like this, and they'll just not want to see it or just leave. After the first 10 minutes. Well, sure, but not after you show boobs. Sure, they may be waiting around for the rest of them, maybe hoping there'll be more boobs. <laughs> that's that's true. That's true. Well, it depends on the age. I mean, if they're under a certain age, they won't care about the boobs. I guess that's true. But the 12-year-olds, oh. <laughs> they see those boobs and they're like, oh, I'm in for the long haul. <laughs> so, anyway... um. Where was I? Oh yes, uh, Ruth has the uh, the seizure, which sort of happens. It, it, it all kind of crescendos. There's a moment where the older guy, uh, he does a leak, right? The alarm goes off and there's a leak where he's in uh, his room where he was testing stuff with the animals. Um, in fact, one thing I, I wanted to describe actually before we go any further is, because uh, you mentioned this earlier, you sort of alluded to it earlier, but we should mention it properly, is when they're going into the room to like, you know deal with the, the survivors or the animals or anything like that, They've got these funky ass like uh, suits that are attached to the wall, so it's basically. I a think full, they're cool. <laughs> it's a it's a it's like a full body suit version of you know when like you see in movies and I'm sure real scientists use this, where they'll have like a box with like specimens inside the box, but they'll have like gloves that are built into the box mm-hmm. where they just put their hands in. It's kind of like a full body version of that. It's like just... a human. It's like a human a human accordion, <laughs> almost. Well, yeah, that's how it extends from the wall. They sort of they, they jump in this hatch, and then they're inside like this, like you know, it looks, mm-hmm. it looks like a. It probably looks more like a like a, a space suit or a, maybe a diving suit than it does anything else. But it's yeah. got this like accordion at the back where it just stretches. And out it's from attached the wall. to like a, a shower curtain rod, <laughs> so they can constantly move back and forth. I think it's really cool, and I like uh, whenever they need to use like mechanical arms and stuff to open stuff. Mm-hmm. That all looks really good. A lot of it, a lot of the design stuff, I was really into. Honestly, the the mechanical arms didn't even feel that dated, despite the fact that it's like fifty years old now. <laughs> or no, close definitely to 50 not. Years old. So, you know, and you play. can see like somebody operating the mechanical arms, like the actors using uh, their own hands to like operate the mechanical arms. It looks really in sync. So I don't know if they actually were operating it, but it looked good. I think what made it look good is that. Less so the arms themselves and more the actors using the, the controls. Is mm-hmm. that the controls looked just as dexter- dexterous as the, the arms themselves did. 
So it didn't really, even though they probably were cheating, it didn't mm. look like they were cheating on camera. And I think no. that adds a lot to it. So that's fair. Um, so yeah, so, so like I say, there's this uh, section here where the old guy, there's a leak in his, his room. So he's trapped in there. He's still alive. Ruth has a seizure. When they hear the alarm going off and she's the red light blinking, she has a seizure. Yeah, Which, but everyone assumes that she's um, that she's got the virus. When she well, yeah, because uh, the nurse who's been helping the doctor throughout the movie, you know, runs up and she's sort of hesitant and he's like, no, she's just, she's just, uh, you know, got epilepsy. It's fine. There's nothing, you know, virus related with this. Yeah. And she was in. And we should actually mention her because she's not like a huge character, but she's she's kind of there. She's helping. She's with the baby a lot. Mm-hmm. She's helping with the, the old man who is very flirtatious. Um, and the first time he says something, it's not too bad. A little bad. handsy too. Well, yeah, that, that was the that I was getting to. Is, is The first time he says something, it's not too bad. It's just kind of like... Um, He's disappointed he can't see her legs because she's the nurse. Yes. Yeah, so something like that. And it's just a little bit, but it's like, okay, whatever. He's a drunk old man. But then uh, later on, when she's, they're both in there in the suits, he just cops a feel of her ass. I mean, it's, it's through this big chunky suit, but... <laughs> She has to pull his hand off, and I mean, she takes it in her yeah. stride. She sort of smirks and just sort of like. She's glad he's feeling better. But yeah, he's uh he's not shy. So, um, it's it's not like a it's, it's one of these things where well, he probably thinks he's gonna he's gonna die soon anyway. Well, no, what I was gonna say is that like you were complimenting the movie earlier for having a female character who isn't just a swimsuit model as one of the scientists, mm-hmm. um. This is still a sign that we're still kind of in a certain period here. Uh, with Not so much that it happens. Like You can have a movie today where a character would do this, but th- there'd be a point to it. Whereas here, it's just, ah, oh, the goofy old man. He's a bit of a pervert. Yeah. Lol. <laughs> you know, At this it, poor woman's expense. Yeah, it, it, it's presented here as a, it's not a big deal. This is just, haha, normal stuff. I do recognize the actress too. She was in a, a comedy series called Night Court for many years. Hmm. Uh... Good so, so young. <laughs> so they try to figure out. So they're, they're trying to figure out what to do to try and help the old guy. And it's just you know it's just the main guy Jeremy and the doctor, and they're trying to theorize: do we like pump more oxygen in the room? Do we have less oxygen? Do we do this? Do we do that? And it's at this point where he kind of finally has his eureka moment, where mm-hmm. it's about the acidity or the alkaline content of, of his blood or whatever. And it's something to do with the breathing. Like he wants him to be under stress. Yes. Because if he holds in air for too long, then it allows the virus to penetrate through the lungs or something. But if you're mm-hmm. constantly in distress, then you can't. The virus is helpless. But which but is why th- the baby always crying like causes that. Yeah, but but through the analyzing, they get to a point by the end where even the animals, or one of the rats, is still fine, and they're like, "Wait a minute, this thing's mutated. It's not actually dangerous anymore." And then the other alarm goes off saying self-destruct is initiated. It's going to, we're going to blow up in five minutes. And what's so weird about this? I do have a question here because when Ruth had the seizure, there was a substation like near by because they passed it. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I was kind of like, wait, so really? Because they do a whole thing where they come out of the room into the hall. And by the way, What's the point of having these substations everywhere if shutters come down all around the, the ring, like blocking <laughs> off your access from every single one of them? I mean, shouldn't the odd man out be always around a substation then and not near 
like in a room where there isn't one or one that's under construction it's almost like he forgot he was supposed to be like paying attention to where where he was in relation <laughs> to substations which uh now there is one there, to be fair there is one there but it's one of the ones that's not constructed yet it's just like a box with like cables hanging out of it <laughs> yeah but they come up with this plan where he has to go into the center like pillar that sort of goes up through all the levels because apparently security will be less strict on level three so he has to climb up but unluckily for him in case there's like in case in case there's like an animal from one of the test subjects breaks out into like the vents or something and gets into this area there's not only lasers there is like automatic target and motion tracking lasers in the central like shaft that start like tracking him and to the point where we get we, we see him get lasered in the cheek as he's going up the ladder and there's like a hole in his face yeah <laughs> it's actually quite like it's like, gnarly yeah it's pretty brutal and his hand gets lasered at one point uh and i will admit they did go a little bit far here with trying to like convince me like like they do that thing where he's getting closer and closer but time's almost running out where there's two things they do here that feel like they're trying to melt the tension a bit further than it's really able to go. One of them is that once he gets hit in the, 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 the face with the laser, is that he starts, like, almost essentially, like, losing consciousness and kind of, like, his vision it's goes all loopy. blurry. And yeah. I'm like, I'm not so sure why getting hit in the face, or specifically the cheek, right? It's, like, a clean shot in the cheek. I'm not sure why that's making him go all, ooh. It, it doesn't seem to be any blood loss or anything. It's just... No like the shock is what they say or something that's, that's how they justify it but um yeah you would think it would cause more of an adrenaline an adrenaline rush i would think that too and then the other thing is, is so he's getting to the thing he's, he's on level three the substation's there he's crawling towards it and he gets the key in and for some reason as soon as he puts the key in his hand just falls but <laughs> he, he has to turn the key still so this this moment just felt so forced to me that he like your hand's already there, but you couldn't turn it as your hand and let your hand fall as you turn or something. Like, I don't know. It just, it felt like, okay, you, you, you're going to tell me that he's like struggling to get his arm up. I'll buy that. But it's mm -hmm. weird to me to do it after he's already got his arm up. To put the key or if in. he has like some type of paralysis in his hand or something, maybe from the laser, <laughs> but I don't know. Yes. But obviously he turns the key and stops it from blowing up. Uh, but it's this like double edged thing where. And not double-edged in the usual meaning of that phrase. But I mean, double-edged in the sense that not only are they all going to die if he doesn't do this, but it will actually mutate the virus again and might make it more dangerous. Not only more dangerous, but super dangerous because it will be, like, super powerful. Yeah. Uh, so there's all these reasons why he has to do it. And they don't have any more bunkers to analyze it, so... No. Yeah. And I do have fun uh, with, with this, this section <laughs> at the end, even though it is a bit... I mean, uh, a race forced, against the clock is always going to be fun. Yeah. Um... It's kind of funny because it does, it does almost feel a little. It feels like a little out of like tone with the rest of the movie, which is very kind of slow burn science fiction thriller <laughs> of this virus. Where did it come from? Yeah. Where did it's it go? Very sphere, though, Where did it come right? from? Cotton Eye Joe. I always approve of bluegrass music. <laughs> but I mean, it's very similar to Sphere, though, isn't it? Like the last ticking time clock section and the. I mean, just like <laughs> civilian scientists being set to analyze a alien, <laughs> a possibly dangerous alien. If you thing. think I remember how the third act of Sphere went, you're you're absolutely delusional. <laughs> well, the underwater you don't set have to was going it. to blow I'm, up, I'm, I'm and just... they had to escape. 
in time. <laughs> so, okay, so they we're ripping off and the stream. Oh, okay. I get it. The same author. <laughs> okay, Michael Creighton was a hack. He always put the same plot in every movie. What do you want from me? <laughs> I mean, I think there's a lot of similarities between Andromeda Strain and Sphere. Yes. Yes. I just thought there was a lot of similarities between Jurassic Park and Westworld. I was trying to look in my yeah. mind as I was watching this, try and figure out how this is technically they go to a theme park, but the virus turns out to be deadly. <laughs> no. It's I guess it's a lot of similarities to... Uh... <laughs> I don't know what else I was thinking of. Prey and Congo? 13th I... Warrior and Congo. No, I'm sure was... they have similarities. I will say that there is some things you can compare to Jurassic Park and Westworld in this. And maybe oh, even Sphere, Sphere as well to an extent. They're both similar in the sense that there, there's a lot of explanation as the characters go to the location. So in those cases, it's theme parks. Mm -hmm. and in this case, in Sphere, it's like a underwater... Or, well, it's, uh, underwater always, but... it's always civilians being brought in also. Like it's regular like, Joes. Well, it's experts in their fields or, or mm -hmm. whatever. Uh, oh, except from Westworld, but where it's literally just civilians because it's a theme park. But... um. You know, it's, it's always characters being brought in and having to be explained a lot of the rules of the place and how it works. You know, I mean, and that's that's kind of a broad thing, don't get me wrong, but it is definitely very consistent in a lot of these Michael Creighton stories. They all mm -hmm. seem to have that element to them, which I don't mind. I enjoy it. I mean, it's definitely a bit of an exposition dump, but when it's well-defined, like he tends to do it, like, you know, say what you will about this. I mean, my disappointment here with the level of explanation isn't that it's overcomplicated or I had to sit and listen to it. It's that they didn't do anything with it after. I was all for all this, like, five levels and the different color coding. And, like, I, I was wondering like, if, like, the race to the, 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 you know, the key at the end was going to be like, oh, we have to go through every level. And he's going to have to, like, you know, go through all the obstacles. Like, there's lasers on one floor. There's, like, there's, like, uh, <laughs> like arrows on another. Yeah, I don't you think know. you would see, like, <laughs> as he was climbing up to the other floors, you would see the different colors change. Maybe we did, and I just didn't notice it because the colors at the bottom all kind of blend into one. The central shaft didn't have different colors. I mean, there was a different color when he was in the when he actually got into the hallway. But the central I mean, they shaft build, didn't. They build the red set. They build the blue set. They built the yellow set. Why didn't we see him again? Oh, because they weren't oh. different. Because they weren't different sets. You you realize they just repainted the same set. I heard that they uh, put quite a lot of money into these building these sets, though. Yeah, but they can still save money if it, if they're going to spend almost all the time in the base set. They just shoot all the other scenes with the other colors first and then just paint it beige and do the rest of the movie. Well, yeah, I understand that. But like, I don't know, like it just seems it seems odd to make the whole set for like three seconds. <laughs> Maybe not three seconds, but like three minutes of a movie. Well, that's the point, though. They didn't make it for three seconds. They just they, they, I mean, they, they painted it for three seconds. <laughs> sure. Yeah, because it's no accident that all the floors look identical. The hallways, they're all the exact same. Well, yeah. Never mind. <laughs> Let's move on. <laughs> I understand that it's the same set that they just painted, but it's still like a lot of work and they have to make the different clothing for it and whatever. Uh, yeah, I never mentioned that they, and during the montage of them, go every time they went to a new floor, there was like a, a shot of like one of their jumpsuits like being thrown into a fiery pit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's a centerade. Yeah uh dear um uh so obviously everyone wakes up at the end and they're all fine no one died and basically congress or whoever like well we solved this problem and you, you there's like a there's an explanation of how they like what do they, they gas the area so that it would go to the sea and 
like die. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I can't remember what the explanation was. It was so... Earth will take care of it. Yeah. Nature will do it. Yes, nature wills it. Uh, but it, basically, he's like, well, we we you know we we stopped this biological threat, and he's like, well, yes, but there could be another. Dun, dun, this dun. time. <laughs> Come back next year for the Andromeda Strain 2. Yeah. The virus. Or like the blob ending, right? The end question mark. Ah, there you go. There you go. <laughs> Actually, one element we didn't talk about is that there's a bit of a conflict, and this is maybe another complaint, is that there's so many cool ideas in this that don't really get, you know, the idea of all these levels don't really get used. Uh, the idea of, like, the, the, the odd man, like, having to make the choice to, like, stop the detonation isn't really a factor because it's so obvious he has to at the end. Mm-hmm. The other thing they don't really use that much is that there's actually a conflict at one point where the other characters sort of learn that this base was built not to like stop viruses and like protect the earth from this sort of stuff. It was originally built to actually develop biological warfare and that even the stuff in the satellite, the idea was is that anything it brought back could be turned into a weapon. And this is kind of part of the arms race. It doesn't really do anything with that past them being annoyed about it, that one scene. Well, that's okay. They do it in Alien. What? What's <laughs> what that for an explanation? It's fo- it's followed up in another film series. What? <laughs> that that, that what, your your <laughs> logic does not resemble Earth logic. <laughs> this is this is something that will be explored later on in the seventies. <laughs> They're not all part of one big. You know, interspersed franchise. Movies are, yes. No, no, no. They're all you. connected. Unless we're going with the Tommy uh, Westfall uh, universe theory. All but... science fiction movies are connected. Yes. <laughs> How am I supposed to respond to this? It's fine. They brought this back up in Alien. <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> we'll explore this, you know, deeper in depth in 1979. What do you mean this? I have the same studio. Never made the same people behind the camera. <laughs> it's right. <laughs> it gets addressed. Oh my god! I just I'm imagining it's doing like next week's movie there and talking. Oh, it's okay. This is this is dealt with in like ex machina, in like forty years. It's fine. <laughs> it's addressed that. It's something completely unrelated. <laughs> oh my god. Um, I don't know how to respond to that. Okay. Um. The movie has faults. There's no denying mm-hmm. this. And there's definitely lots of things it introduces that aren't brought up on. Although most of the things it introduces I do really like. <laughs> and I like the, the general setup of it. I like the the, the, the build, I like the finding of the, the town and all those elements. And I do think it's pretty solid directed, you know, those uh, split focus shots uh, notwithstanding. Um, the characters aren't particularly great though. They're a bit in the, the, the simple bland side. Uh, I, I think that's true across the board. None of them really stick out to me all that much. Not even Dr. Ruth? I think she's great. I feel I'll like... Stand higher. I, th- I think... I like the idea of the character. I think maybe... Maybe with someone else... You want else. Raquel Welch. I understand. No, 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 no. <laughs> it could be someone equally not a supermodel, to put it as nicely as I possibly can. Um, but I don't know. I, I, I could see someone better, more charismatic in the role. I thought she was excellent. 
definitely just, stand out. That's not just her, though. I'm only pointing at her because you're specifically prodding me to like, say what I mean about her because you're defending her. Um, I, I do think the cast... None of them are bad, per se. I mean, the Doctor did all right. Like, you know, I mean, he's the, he's the Colonel from Commando. Uh, so <laughs> he's, he's, you know, he's definitely a, a cut above. But, uh, yeah. But I liked it more than you did, even though I, I do agree it has faults and it's, you know. So, I mean, I, I'm curious to see what, what your wrap-up here is and what your rated is that you're about to give me. Well, I mean, it's hard to knock a movie that's so close to Sphere. <laughs> One of the greatest science fiction movies ever made. But <laughs> I'm going to have to knock it a little bit. I, I think that it suffers a bit from being the science being not overly explained but maybe a bit too detailed maybe a bit more than we needed to be you can movie it up a bit for me <laughs> <laughs> you know i don't i mean I, as much as i like the ideas in terminal man a lot that one scene that lasted way too long i'm sure is great for doctors to watch as i assume a lot of this movie is also but not great for us non-doctors to watch um I definitely cannot forgive the film for what it does to animals. Um, even if it was a, a fantastic movie, I would have to knock it for that. I wish I can give it a one, but I can't. Like it's, I'll look past it as much as I can for the rating reasons. But if you are, you know, at all hesitant to watch movies where animals are in pain, clearly, then don't watch this movie. Um, let this review be enough if that's that's how you watch these i don't know <laughs> um i think overall it is a cool concept for a film i like the sets uh, even of its time i think it's pretty progressive um i'm, I'm gonna give it a 6.5 i mean boobs in a g-rated movie is a sort of progression that i think we can all get on board with <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, and we saw some happy trails on some young men. Not like young young men, but like our lead scientist guy who was the younger single guy. That was nice. It was just a little something. You keep saying young. I don't think he's that young. <laughs> he's the youngest I mean, out of the men, but I don't think he's that young. Let me see. He's still like mid-30s at youngest. Yeah, but he was, he was acting next to like two 60-something-year-old guys. <laughs> I, mean, I know, but... He wasn't young, young. He wasn't some young punk. He was a little hunky. Okay, yeah, he was... Uh, 40. 40. <laughs> 41. <laughs> That'd be my guess, yeah. He looked alright for 40. <laughs> I just think your uh, perception of what young looks like is starting to skew a little bit. Ah, damn it. <laughs> What's happening? <laughs> Young strapping whippersnapper. Which, which is going to make like 25 year olds look like toddlers to you now. Oh, <laughs> gross. Who are these young kiddies? Get off my lawn. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, so 6.5 from you. I. I'm going to give it a 7. I, I, I think I'll happily give it a 7. I enjoy what. This is the second time I've seen it. I enjoy how methodical it is. I enjoy the methodical, like, we're going to do the process, which it kind of betrays a little bit, but I also 
think it leaves a lot on the table for stuff that it sets up that it doesn't really go into that much. Yeah. I definitely didn't care about, like, maybe if I watched it more than once, I would have kept track of, like, you know, 11.55 p.m. <laughs> oh, yeah, it brings up the time. I think that's just to make it feel more accurate. Like, oh, it's very science because we're constantly telling you the time. Yeah. <laughs> or, like, where we are with the time next to it. It does a lot. And I didn't bother keeping track. <laughs> but for somebody who does keep track, I'm sure it pays off. <laughs> pays off? I don't know if it pays off. I'm, just, I'm sure it adds up. I don't know if it pays off. <laughs> Maybe that's enough. Yeah. The fact that it adds up and it works, it, it's uh, that's the payoff. Maybe if you pay attention to those times, though, maybe there's actually like a time travel element we've completely missed because we weren't paying attention to the, the tell signs on the screen. It was it went back in time at one point. And the whole just... movies, it was shot in reverse. How did we not know? <laughs> oh my god, it's the, the ending is actually the beginning. We created it's... the virus. It's the memento strain. <laughs> thank you, anyway. thank you, everyone. Yeah, you can hold your applause, everyone. Uh, so that is. Did you not hear my joke? No. I said it's the moment. You don't have to repeat strain. it. It's okay. okay. I love how I went to repeat it and you talked completely over my repeating it as yeah, well. I don't, I don't want to give you any credit. Good night, everyone. <laughs> well. I suppose we'll wrap up the show. If you've made it this far, put the word wildfire into the... Which, by the way, there's a lot of fires these days as well. So between the, sh the virus and the fires... Like this you have to tell me you know where I live. This, this movie's got, got a lot... Got a lot of weird, like, timely... Not predictions, but timely topics. Uh, so put the word wildfire in the comments if you've made it this far. Uh, I'm going to make Tara do the pose for the thumbnail. So here we go. Three, two, one, pose. That I don't is, know how to do these. That, that was a face of a constipated woman <laughs> if I've ever seen one. Um, <laughs> I am never that happy when I'm constipated. <laughs> it was, I'm constipated, but I'm supposed to pose for a photo, so I'm going to pretend to not be constipated. That's what that was. <laughs> <laughs> sure <laughs> that, that was the magic alright uh, of course you can let us know what you think of the movie in the comments I mentioned the like button earlier like, liking is super important helps us out a lot as does patreon.com slash TV. all these things super super important um, coming up next week on the show I remember to actually tell them this time because I, I, have, I have forgotten so many times recently that's uh, okay coming up next week well, there may be one before then, but coming up for sure next week is the Omega Man. <laughs> All right. Back to Heston. Yes, yeah, back to right? Charlton Heston. Yes. So, yes. Like I said, there may be an extra one before then. We do have a, a little vote winner to deal with uh, that has to go out. But uh, that could be later in the month, though, depending on when. Because we're actually recording this episode a lot later than we normally do. So I feel like there won't be an extra one before next week's episode <laughs> because of that. But... um. That's coming up, so look forward to that. Um, Tara, would you like to promote any other Mailfuzz TV content? Um, sure. It's new, so I'm still going to promote it. Please check out our reviews of Babylon 5. We have just started reviewing Season 1, and uh, so catch up with us. It'll be really quick. 
because <laughs> we're only a few episodes in. Thank you. <laughs> yes, you can watch along and hear our conversations afterwards. If you're watching it for the first time, or if you're an old fan who's wanting any excuse to, to watch it again, uh, or just listen to people talk about it. Mm -hmm. We are both pretty new at this. I mean, I don't, I don't really know anything about Babylon 5. I don't know much past the uh, the early stuff, so yeah, it's a mm -hmm. journey of discovery and seeing where things go and all the rest of it. But hey, uh, that is pretty much us, though. This has been the Atomic Cinema Experiment, and uh, we have been discussing the Andromeda Strain in our little mini sequel to our seventies month. So look forward to another seventies movie next week and the Omega Man, and yeah, we'll see you for that. So thank you once again for watching or listening. We always appreciate it. Keep watching science fiction, guys, and computer. That's Elsa. Give us a butt first.